So it's either one or the other. You're either pushed into a hysterectomy or HRT without knowing what it is, or you are just told to go home and just face it because every, you know, every woman goes through it. So these are the two mm-hmm. different things that I hear most often. And there needs to be some kind of middle path. menopause with me Philippa and today I've got a very special guest Aishwara is joining me all the way from India welcome to you today how are you feeling I'm doing good thank you how is your day going how is the beginning of March I can't believe we're already here I know and you know what it's pancake day (laughs) is that a thing now okay (laughs) on a more serious note we are talking all about menopause Uh, today with a young woman who is researching women's experiences of menopause in India. Uh, And I think this is absolutely incredible that you have devoted, uh, is it two full years of your life to this subject? One and a half more around, but yeah, (laughs) it's a lot of time to be worried about my future. (laughs) (laughs) It is a lot of time to be worried about the future. So talking to lots of women, how many women did you manage to speak with in the end? So I think I've done both official informal interviews and I've also done interviews where, I mean, just conversations where I just speak to women and I stop yeah. some women in the mall. They weren't very happy when I asked them if they've been through menopause because I think they thought that I thought that they looked old. I have talked to quite a few women, formal interviews, 30, and I've spoken uh-huh. to medical practitioners as well. And I've spoken to family members of menopausal women, too, because mm. I think it's important to understand what everybody, you know, um, sees menopause as. So, yeah, it's been it's been a journey. It's been a lot of talking. A lot of talking. And so you're trying to understand the social sciences of uh, public health. And, you know, menopause is a massive public health Uh, concern well women's health concern particularly Uh, but you know the ramifications of menopause in our futures uh, they don't just come and go they can remain with us for the rest of our lives and and so it is a really important topic to be to be considering but not just from the medical perspective but from women's quality of lives perspective so uh, obviously you're studying all about menopause and you're nowhere near having your own, uh, I'm assuming. Yeah, far I, off, I mean, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully far off, yeah. yeah. We, we, I mean, we never know. Uh, the average age is 51, but mm. uh, everyone's experiences, of course, can vary depending on uh, surgical interventions, medical conditions, and yep. uh, sometimes and course, just... where you're from as well. So in my Ooh. study, the average age is 47, and I believe in India it's 46. So, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? So <laughs> younger, younger still. I was definitely smack bang on the average at 51, <laughs> uh, what is quoted as our, our average in the mm-hmm. United Kingdom. Um, but, yeah, 47. So the fact that we know that this is actually approaching for a lot longer, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when we reach menopause, we've spent... Uh, five to eight years, sometimes 10 years of kind of gradually working up to it. So, uh, so, I mean, that's potentially in your late 30s, if you're in India then. 
Well, thank you, Philippa. Oh, I am okay. definitely very. <laughs> I'm you very worried. <laughs> so what what uh, what were the challenges with that you might have reached uh, encountered rather when you were approaching people to have these conversations? I, I'm mm. curious to know the differences really because. Uh, it isn't something that we would necessarily talk about openly in polite mm-hmm. conversation. And maybe a, uh, certainly you, we, you might talk about it more readily with your peers. Uh, so, you know, what were the challenges that you encountered? I think you really hit the nail on the head where if I am a woman who's going through menopause and I ask another woman who's going through menopause about her menopause, she might want to share out of concern for me or out of, you know, needing to vent to someone who's going through the same thing. But I am obviously, in the most most cases, their daughter's age. And Mm. there was a lot of hesitation about speaking about their private lives and their intimate lives and just what they were going through, especially because most of the women who I spoke to hadn't even spoken to their own family members about their menopause. Mm. And for me, what helped was, and I came across this very accidentally. I did not have a plan. I did not plan on, you know, going in there and coming up with a story. But I think what happened was building a story and a truthful one at that, where I explained to them that the reason why I wanted to conduct menopause research was because my mother is at menopause age. And Mm. in an effort to help her, I tried to find information online and there's not enough. And there's not enough non-medical facts about what she can experience or what what her mental health might be like during this period. So when 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 I talked to the women and I told them this, that, you know, I am actually a concerned daughter, really wanting to help my mother through this too. The floodgates really opened, where they were suddenly, you know, very, very involved and they wanted to help me because for them, the experience that they were having could not be changed. And, Mm. you know, because it was, quote unquote, too late for them. But when they saw that speaking to someone else's daughter might help them, might help me, it's something that they immediately connected to. And more importantly, it's kind of it's kind of like how if you have a good experience, you go and you tell your friends. Yeah. And for some reason, people liked talking to me. So, so they like talking to me and they like having someone to actually ask them about, you know, their mental health, their physical health and their menopause. And I didn't I didn't I, I didn't go in with 50 questions. I went in with just two. So oh. the first question I asked is, what has your menopause journey been like so far? And I would have women who would talk for 45 minutes about this. Because you, they obviously have a lot to say because no one's ever asked them this question before. Mm-hmm. And the final question that I would ask in the second question, basically, was what does menopause mean to you? And mm-hmm. that's it. And I would let them guide the conversation because I was really learning from them, not the other way around. And I think once they had a good experience, they would go tell their friends. So I think I became an informal counselor who was absolutely not qualified. But I'm happy to, <laughs> I'm happy to have been there for them in whatever capacity I could. Yeah, I mean, so that's interesting. Two very open questions. Um, and did you did you find that there were a lot of parallels between the conversations? Because I know when I spoke to you last, you were in the middle of transcribing these conversations. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that would have been quite a piece of work. Uh, did, you know, did you find parallels? How how on earth was that piece of work? How did you manage that? So. Um... Every interview lasted a minimum of one and a half hours. So you can imagine just the effort of transcribing things. And uh, combined with the fact that a lot of the interviews were, even if they were primarily in English, there were bits and pieces of the native tongues 
thrown in. So transcribing softwares mm. were a nightmare. So I refused yeah. to use those because oh. they would they would just make up their own words at some point. So it was more correcting than writing. But mm. um, basically, for me, those parallels did not emerge, which is what kind of proved my mm. point, which was that the menopause experiences are so unique that coming up with a protocol and shoving it in a doctor's face is not what's going to help the woman. Um, you know, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than a list of symptoms or a list of interventions or saying, you know, go on this therapy or get your uterus removed. It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And while, of course, there were, there, were, there were different themes that emerged of, you know, women having their own support groups of other women or women in COVID, right? Menopause during the COVID period because mm-hmm. that's when my research took place. And there were different themes or just unsupportive husbands or unsupportive sons, supportive daughters. There was a lot of gender disparity. But at the end of the day, each experience was so unique that I'm sure that 30 is not going to cover it at all. But it mm-hmm. definitely gave me an idea of the, the gaps that lie in both medical and social infrastructure. Oh, so that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is something I talk about all the time, the fact that our experiences are unique to us and uh, and framed by our experiences in life, you know, up to this yeah. point. And so even more unique to us, uh, which, yeah, it's interesting that you... Um, you, you mentioned guidance for doctors is, is going to be... Certainly it's a challenging... Uh, thing to come up with and I know at the moment that the uh, the NICE Institute in in the United Kingdom are currently putting together a working party to to come up with guidance for medical people dealing uh, to help uh, women transitioning through menopause so they've obviously got uh, quite a piece of work on their hands I do. And in fact, because because of being a part of the Global Menopause Inclusion Collective, I'm actually oh, helping yes. draft those guidelines. So, oh, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because uh, informed by women's experiences of menopause, it's, it's so crucial because I know they invite lay members to participate to... Uh, yeah to you know to bring these lived experiences i love that you called it that lived experiences <laughs> uh, of menopause and these are just equally as valid as uh, you know the the medical model if you like so you mentioned gaps uh, you know glare, glaring gaps perhaps what uh, what gaps do you think you might have uncovered so i will i will preface this with a few um notes essentially one is that my study because of being online due to covid did Mm -hmm. not cover the it it was not a good representation of the entire indian population which i'm sure would not have been able to do even Uh, otherwise just because of you know the sheer number of people and cultures but um they were all middle to upper class women who were literate who were educated they were all cis women um and um not all of them were married but most of them were so okay. their experiences were definite, definitely a representation of a small portion of the population who are definitely better off in a sense. Mm-hmm. And the second note that I would like to make is that while, of course, doctors can do more, I understand that they have a lot to do already. <laughs> um, again, with just the, just the amount of pressure that they go on if, you know, if COVID taught us anything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there are ways to make it easier for the people walking into the system. So. Mm-hmm. 
if I start talk, listing out the gaps, and I'm sure I'll come up with my own nice guidelines by the end of this podcast <laughs> or this interview. But my, interestingly enough, my brother is a medical student. So oh, he okay. is currently in the OBGYN clinical rotations. So I hear firsthand experiences from him of sitting in on hysterectomies or sitting in on, you know, you know, you know these clinics. So mm-hmm. I'm able to actually see through him that my research and what the women are telling me are true. So they're obvious problems that lie in the system. And one glaring problem is that menopause is seen as an illness. It's treated mm-hmm. as a disease or it's treated as something that is, should be you know, gotten over in a second. Or it's treated as something that is seen as a natural decline of the human body. And you should just, just lie down in the current and just accept it. Accept all of the horrors that come along with it. So it's either one or the other. You're either pushed into a hysterectomy or HRT without knowing what it is, or you are just told to go home and just face it because every, you know, every woman goes through it. So these are the two mm-hmm. different things that I hear most often. And there needs to be some kind of middle path. There needs to be something. Yeah, Yeah. no, I, I, absolutely. There, there is a, a huge void there between those two quite uh, opposed Uh, positions and uh, you know the information piece for me is is the most important thing that is that we are in a position to know uh, the 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 whole gambit of potential symptoms that we might encounter and to know that there are lots of different approaches to uh, for us to thrive at this time of life rather than, as you say, lie down in the current. I and like just that. accept it. Just, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. That's just the, com- the common notion. Yeah, I think, uh, I think accepting decline is what you're talking about, isn't it, really? Rather than uh, acceptance of this stage of life that, you know, we can't change it. It is happening that, you know, we can't be in denial about it. But, but to know that decline is not inevitable and that there are so many... Uh, yeah, there's so many things we can do to be uh, to be thriving and productive. Uh, and especially because, you know, lifespans are the longest that they've ever been. At one point of time, menopause might have come at the end of the life cycle, but it's no longer true. No, and, it's no longer. And whether or not you want to lie down in the current and go through it as it comes, that might be someone's choice. Or if you want to go to a hysterectomy, mm. there might be someone's mm. choice. Or to just, you know, do something in the middle, do Pilates for menopause. You know, a lot of women do. Mm. And you're right. So it's just that women should be allowed to define menopause for themselves how they would like to. And I don't see that choice being given to them. Yeah, I, I like that. It's, it's, uh, it could apply across a, quite a lot of uh, healthcare contexts in actual Mm. fact this empowerment of individuals to be the architect of their own uh future health health future um Mm. and and so the thing with that is it's about informing them so that they know all their options and not just making us making assumptions about uh about how you should deal with this particular situation, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we're getting better at that, you know, having having this um, uh, open exchange with people that's a bit more, there's a bit more parity in our healthcare conversations. That can only be a good thing. We, we want to get in partnership. 
uh, with the people that we work with to to really speak to their values and their uh, lived experiences and and for those to be valid you know and not to be dismissed because there are symptoms that people will experience that are totally unique to them <laughs> yeah totally unique to them and uh, the fact that nobody else has had it doesn't make it any less valid does it you know yes oh my goodness so that reminds me of a particular interview this was the first mm -hmm. interview that i did um her first symptom of perimenopause was blackouts so mm -hmm. and you know, it's not something that you see on the menopause no, symptom list no it isn't um, However, it's interesting that out of the 30 women that I interviewed, there was another woman whose first symptom was also blackouts. So we're obviously not updating our research enough. But essentially, she went to our general practitioner, as one does usually, and she was sent for an MRI by the end of it. So she, she did every single test possible in the book, was all set to be sent to an MRI. And she was driving and she had a blackout and she almost crashed her car. Luckily, she did not. She's safe. But in a conversation, you know, she was in a very frightened conversation with her Kathak teacher, so with her dance teacher. Her oh, yeah. dance teacher directed her to her gynecologist, who immediately said, it's obvious that you're going through menopause. You're the right age. It's a weird mm -hmm. symptom that's come out of nowhere. And there's mm -hmm. nothing else wrong with your body. Why hasn't anybody ever mentioned the word menopause to you? Uh, so she's doing, of course, she's doing much better now. And she's, she's enjoying her post-menopause phase. But, <laughs> there, is, but yeah. there is light at the end of the tunnel, that's for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you mentioned this to me before that uh, you've learned a whole lot of stuff about your potential health future that could be a little bit frightening, you know. <laughs> I think I know too much, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, too much, yeah. too soon. But too much I think, too soon. Well, is that possible? Do you think? I mean, you know, this is a serious uh, question because we're taught in schools. Well, certainly uh, in the United Kingdom, we're taught in schools about puberty, and then we're taught about uh, how mostly how not to have a baby has to be said. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're taught about reproduction. Maybe it's just coming onto the curriculum that young people will get educated about, you know, what's happening at the other end of the reproductive uh, spectrum. Uh, but, but you know, what, what are your thoughts around that? About menopause being in a curriculum or just about knowledge being, in general? Knowledge, well, knowledge in general, knowledge in general. Because for me, my experience was I kind of knew it was coming. I mean, of course, we know it's coming. Uh, but my my mom hadn't talked about it. Anytime I mentioned it, she said, oh, I was fine and left it at that. I don't have sisters. Uh, I have female friends, but uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not lonely. Don't worry about me. Uh, I just was going through what I was going through quite on my own. And I don't know that that's unusual, shall we say. You know, and the fact that I just was programmed to accept everything that was happen happening, even though it was actually quite undesirable, I'll leave yes. it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of understand where you're going with this. And to answer the first part of the question about the too much too soon, 
So in the beginning of my of my research, I was so shell shocked about menopause. I I mean I I'm a 23 year old. I had no idea that there were symptoms. I just thought your mm-hmm. period got over one day, and I was blissfully waiting for that day to arrive until I learned that menopause was much more than that. It's not a day. <laughs> you know, you can have symptoms for almost 10 years. So I called up the gynecologist and I asked her if she could get rid of my uterus right now and my ovaries <laughs> right now, so that I wouldn't have to go through menopause. She laughed at me. She was right too. She laughed at me and she said, "Excuse me, you're going to go through menopause even if you do that." <laughs> so that was kind of, you know, was, I kind of realized that there's no escaping this. But the reason why um I feel like perhaps I know too much is that mm-hmm. things are changing, right? Um mm-hmm. in in my time of doing this research alone, I've met other people who are also doing research on menopause and it's fascinating and there's so much research being done in the UK. you know not just about menopause in populations like mine but also in neurodivergent populations and just expanding mm-hmm. the existing set of knowledge and i hope that by the time i go through menopause there it's much better for me um at the same time i did do a survey of school students um mm-hmm. just to understand you know what do they want to know has anyone asked them if they are ready cuz usually we just assume that kids are not ready to talk about anything to do with your reproductive system yes, so i spoke yeah. to them and most of them said that they that they didn't understand enough about menopause but they want to because their mothers are going through it uh, and they'd like yeah. to help her so there is jeff there's definitely a turning tide towards wanting more information and once again unless we allow that information to be accessible the, those people are or you know people are not going to be able to make the decision of whether they want it or not um so that's to answer your first question and the second about how you felt like your experience might have been in isolation um mm. that is something that the medical system also doesn't understand and it's one of the third problems right so the first is that it's either about get rid of menopause or get rid of your symptoms in a heartbeat or second of just go through menopause in all of its flaws um but at no point do you see that yes menopause is a phase of life therefore it's not just about the woman she lives in a context she lives surrounded mm. by people and they go through it with her so whatever the society's opinions are of menopause it bleeds into pun intended her menopause journey as well which is why i spoke to family members too you know if you have stories of unsupportive husbands there's a reason why they're unsupportive and there's something missing if you mm-hmm. have stories of women who are who feel liberated during their menopause only to realize that now that they're the women in the family who are not going through their periods they're the ones who have to plan all the holy visits and they suddenly have so much more work on their shoulders there is something to talk about there too so menopause is ne- is menopause happens in a context it's not something that happens inside the woman's body alone so there mm-hmm. which is why social sciences need to bleed into public health Oh wow, yes. You said a lot then. And actually, I was quite fascinated by what you said about holy holidays mm-hmm. and women who are no longer having periods ending up with more responsibilities when it comes to uh, organizing. Would you just expand on what you mean? Of course, of course. So, not everybody in um the Indian population experiences religious taboo when it comes to menstruation. 
but mm-hmm. there are definitely people who do so in my study there were two who wanted to speak about it the other one, the others didn't bring it up themselves so the mm-hmm. two that brought it up one of them said that she was looking toward you know looking for her menopause because her menstruation or her period would no longer be a dinner table discussion so for her interestingly okay. enough she was looking forward to an isolated experience because you know her entire life every every day people are asking if she is on her period because they need someone to do the pujas you know to do the you know to do the the what what's the english word what's the is? translation i'm thinking uh like wow i have no idea um do the rituals yeah so do the rituals in the temple every day or you know go on there like are you allowed to go on your holy visit some women who are menstruating are not allowed to enter a temple uh. Uh-huh. so she's she was looking forward to her menopause so that nobody ever talked about her uterus ever again but for another woman she she did not want to go you know go through her menopause because the women who are who are in charge of planning all the holy visits are the ones who never have to worry about the you know menstruating mm. so so potentially they have more responsibilities yeah is that so, what you mean yeah. yeah so when i heard the first experience i was like oh yeah i expected this because you know you think religious taboo and you think you know oh great it's the end of that but then i heard the second experience and i was immediately reminded that that everyone is so unique you can have you can have night and you can have day you know it's not it's re- it's really just about how they perceive their own menopause and how people around them perceive it too so i can't mm. just you know, i can't just assume that every single woman who who faces religious taboo will love going through menopause i can't assume that anymore So yeah there were a lot of things that I learned on the way and there a lot of things I unlearned on the way so mm. that was definitely a good experience for me Yeah that's that is very interesting um it's certainly not in my sphere of experience to uh, to 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 have have had that um of course I remember the days when uh sanitary wear was not up to sporting activities shall we say mm. you know and so that when you, you you know there might be days in the month when you would avoid certain things because of mm. uh, because of your flow but uh, but yeah to actually have to uh, disclose that over the dinner table <laughs> might not have been top of my list of things that i was going to enjoy as well that that is interesting but yeah you you saw right that the same experience can be interpreted at 1 180 degrees in in opposition yeah. by by different people living that same reality exactly uh, so it is it is totally fascinating and this is the thing of course that we we want to try and uh, represent and acknowledge as we move forwards making recommendations that population uh populations are taken into consideration not just the uh you know the 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 majority that we take into account the fact that people are so uniquely different and yeah. and their needs are different as a consequence it's such a such a, an amazing uh thing that you've you've taken this taboo could be a taboo subject and really uh, broaden your knowledge and 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 then consequently you'll be helping lots of other people as a as a result And so where where do we see where do we see this taking you moving forwards? That's a good question. Um so 
I even if I don't continue in research or in academia, so I'll be graduating with my master's soon, and I plan on moving into science communication, not into uh-huh. the academia route, just because I don't know. Science communication seems like a combination of the two things that I love. Mm-hmm. My menopause research would probably not be a part of my mainstream life, but having learned so much and having become so close to this movement. I know that I will always be that one person standing in a room where everyone's talking about their menopause and I'm not going through it but I'm still taking notes and I'm still asking <laughs> questions. But it's just it's it's really it's really something that everyone can improve, you know. If you don't need to be a science student or a researcher or a pilates instructor to be able to make menopause um more, you know, just to make menopause something that people can talk about, right? So mm. that's something that i'm definitely taking away and as you pointed out earlier on basically these you know listening to how the same experience was a 180 degrees for another person it was a wake up call to me about why we need lived experiences of menopause because you know whatever whatever i would like to say and whatever i would like to do i still belong to a very small section of society um so even if of course we don't want all white opinions or like of just a human body that's you know of a western origin mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. even within india there are so many different yeah. ways you know so many different social constructs so basically what i'm trying to say is that the conversation about menopause really never ends because you enter a new room and it's a whole different experience so it's exciting <laughs> it really is it's exciting It is. Yeah, I I'm I'm never going to stop talking about it and uh, <laughs> my hairdresser told me I should. He said it it wasn't sexy apparently to keep talking about menopause, but then one of our celebrities, Davina McCall, she started talking about it and then his ears pricked up. Yeah, now it's acceptable, <laughs> you see. My motivation is merely to uh share information and uh, knowledge and awareness that this is an important topic. for all people for you know daughters and mothers to have that conversation i have two sons and they've heard it all that's uh, good i'm so glad <laughs> because i mean i've interviewed sons too and they were furious they were like why did our moms only talk to our sisters like hello we want to help too so and then when i talked to their moms who didn't talk to their sons they were like we we don't know if we should talk to our sons and i'm like excuse me they want to know <laughs> just like know. just talk about it it's fine your hairdresser yeah. will probably remember it when someone in their life is going through menopause they'll be like oh i can help you out now <laughs> yeah well that's it isn't it it's like um uh diffusion you know particles spreading uh molecule to molecule as they touch one another you know this is how information gets around and now of course we've got the internet to help us to uh, spread the word even more quickly and hopefully we can represent uh, more than one viewpoint because i know there is more than one i i can only have mine but uh, but hopefully we can you know share the fact that that there really is lots of different ways of looking at this lots of different experiences lived experiences so thank you so much for sharing some of your uh, experiences of conducting this research study and uh, i wish you all the best for the, for thank your you. uh, long and prosperous future thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come and chat to us anybody who's uh, listening to this wondering how to uh, keep up the conversation do join my facebook group it's called moving through menopause you know join the conversation keep having the conversations help one another 
and uh, spread the word. Thank you so much, Ashwaira. It's wonderful to chat. Thank See you. you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye for now. Thank you.